Hello guys and welcome back to the podcast. Now, unfortunately, unscheduled, there's only two of us. We did have lined up for three, four of us, but <clears throat> last minute it's been down to two of us. So, <clears throat> excuse my throat, it's not very good at the moment. Um, we're at a lack of things to talk about in the news and see what's been going on. Um, so I know we've both got up the same website. So first on the list is Metro City's EV fleet taking off the road after uh, in London and York after safety checks after a fire. Now, those that have been following the news, obviously you'll have seen uh, Potter's Bar Depot on Sunday the 22nd of May, which had a lovely heating um, facility installed in it. <laughs> it was unplanned heating facility, but nevertheless, it was installed. Um, and I, I don't know, and I remember seeing the video and it was quite a bad um, video. Yeah, I've seen videos around too. It was a really, really bad fire. Yeah, uh, and just looking at the picture that um, Boston Coach Weekly's got on their website, that it looks like at least ooh, three, four, five, six of them are total, seven are total right off. Yeah, there's, from what I found, it's six buses that have been damaged. Yeah, um, but it, it <coughs> begs the question to. Is this electric electric buses that actually the way forward? Um, if this is how they burn, then we all know uh, batteries burn well. It's it's not even to do with the batteries. What what buses primarily made of? <coughs> well, fiberglass and plastic. Made. Yeah, plastic. You you know you put a put a light next to a bit of plastic. It'll put it next to a crisp packet. It'll just go up. Don't get ideas, kids. When you've got the same amount of heat, you know, you've got more heat next to a bus, which has got thicker plastic, then it's going to melt and catch on quicker. And then you've got all the rubber sheathing on the wires. You've then got the seats. The seat material itself can bust like I don't know what. Well, it reports that there's six buses involved. And two of the switch mobility electric buses. Yeah. Um, so it's two two electric hybrids and four diesel-powered buses. But it's still a hell of a lot of battery to try and put out, especially once it starts shutting out and becoming a major issue. Yeah. But it's one of those things is, um, could it have been prevented a little bit? And... Um someone being courageous and moving you know, some of the diesel buses out of the way and creating a bit of distance. Do you mean like they did in Stockport? Yes. Uh, when they tried to get as many buses away from the one that was burning as possible yes. in the just amount of time. Whether yeah. they get crash damage in the process or whatever, just get them shifted. Yeah, you can fix crash damage. Yeah. Whereas there's six buses that are scrapped now. Well, yeah. five definitely... There's a Volvo on the left hand side that might be saveable. Might be, I doubt it though. Yeah. Um, but it's. It, I'm taking it from the news article that it was a switch mobility Metro Decker uh, EV model that 
caught fire uh, for them to take them off the road specifically. Yep. Checks. Yeah, uh, they've took 108 off in London and then 21 off in York Park and Ride. Well, they can't be short of drivers now. Well, there is that. Missing a load of buses. But then going on with bus fires, as we were speaking about yesterday, Jordan, it's not just the electric ones that are going up. Manchester, no, what was it, two weeks ago that there was an Enviro 400 that went up? Yeah, it seems to be the conversion of the diesel buses to Euro 6 that seems to be maybe doing it. Um, because I know it's quite a few that have been converted that have gone up um, because they're just not designed to handle the heat and yep. the back pressure of the regening systems. <clears throat> but that's the problem with all this, oh, we want clean air thing. Well, we do, but a bus isn't that dirty these days. A lot of the older buses aren't actually that dirty. They, yeah. are, they are when they've got fueling issues, but other than that, they run clean. We've proven that. Yeah, we proved that with the 2000, well, 1999 um, B10, which blew some of the lowest results going. And that's, what now, 10 years... 15 years old plus. Well, we tested it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, it's more problems with people, with the operators maintaining them properly and the fueling systems and what have you properly to fix them issues and make it a bit more environmentally friendly. But at the yeah. same point, surely a the bus is more environmental friendly if it's got more people on it than a car. Um, which was what the whole green air zone in Manchester was about and why it kicked off and why it's now under review. Because you can go round in your old banger as much as you want, but you dare buy a van or try using a bus, you get charged. Unless so, your bus is over 20 years old, privately owned, and you can do what you want with it. Yeah, it's a bit unfair in that respect. Uh, which is obviously why it kicked off and why it's been put under hold. But I know TfL, there's a story that I've just brought up for TfL, which we can link into, quite frankly, um, which TfL seeks views on expanding the ULEZ London-wide zone. I mean, how wide do we go with these zones? Um, I mean, it's currently in... I'm just quickly reading it now. It's currently in uh, out of um, wants to be put into like Croydon and stuff like that, where the highest numbers were. My laptop's just getting back to usable usability. Um, it, he's de- uh, the the mayor is dealing it as a emergency. A crisis facing the capital in the short term, which he believes expanding the zone will have the biggest effect on emissions um, relative to the cost of Londoners as a whole. But it doesn't, though, because people are still going to use the cars. Yep, and it's just um, a money making ploy. And you, we've, we've said it before in. Um, previous podcasts, are electric vehicles going to be the way forward because the batteries only last for so long. 
if you're doing a long trip, that's for you, really. But yeah. it's not even to do with that. You have a petrol car, you have emissions there and then. You have an electric car, you've still got emissions, but they're 200 miles away at the coal power plant in Wales that's then pumping out a load of crap because they're making more electricity to charge these electric vehicles. Yeah, so the, which... the newer power plants that they're making with the solar farms, the wind farms, can't keep up. And okay, it's okay at the moment because not everyone has an electric car. So there's only maybe a few at night charging up. But what happens when everyone gets one or when the majority get them? At night, when the power grids are low, and that's when they can do the maintenance because they can start turning stuff off and shutting down parts of the plants because there's no need for electricity. Yeah. But yet, when everyone's charging their cars up at two kilowatts at a time, two, five kilowatts, whatever, uh, can be produced at a time, well, that means that the power plants have to stay active all night. Um, they're never going to be able to maintain them as well as is our is our electricity grid strong enough to support that? Especially if you've got several cars charging during the day when your home's on. I mean, the average home can take what I think it's two kilowatts. The average distribution board in a home can take, um, and that's really the maximum you can draw in a house. Uh, and obviously that'll be when you've got your cooker on, your washer on, your dryer on. So when everything's going, and then you try and stick a car on there as well. Is the grid going to be able to support that? But then there's this with, you know, you've not only got cars, you know, obviously they're looking at buses. Um, Shaston have already got it in Manchester. Um, look how much space that they've lost for storage of buses to then create a charging point for the electric vehicles. Yes, and then they either have to get a bigger depot or another depot, which then uses even more electricity because it's now another building. Yep. But you've got that. You've got how long do they take to go from, let's say, the buses get battered because some of them might not be able to get charged every night. No. So then can, you know, you have the maximum capacity of buses on charge every night, yeah. which means, in essence, energy prices are going up. They're already going up as they are. But because yeah. there's a higher demand for it, supply and demand, the prices go up. I mean, the current level from um, London, the charge is 12.50, a daily charge level for cars, vans and motorbikes that do not meet the standards. And that would be retained. I mean, 12.50 to drive your car into London. What I mean? You pay that for parking alone. In Manchester, never mind London. Yeah. Um, I know they want to push people onto public transport, but is this really the right way about it? <clears throat> um, I know the mayor of Manchester, who's, well, yeah, um, he's trying to do that, but he's trying to make a London-style bus cup style, but yet that doesn't make any profit. And profit isn't everything, but... At the end of the day, that you've got to make that money to be able to reinvest it. If he's going to be able to do that, then fair enough. But by lowering the fares down even further, he's not going to be able to have that amount of profit yep. to be able to reinvest it. The fares in Manchester, uh, I've spoke to loads of people, and they are the cheapest around 
And yeah. Everyone's happy with them. Yeah. Well, the majority of people, people think it's a rip-off, but then if you go to Buxton, places like that, it gets even more expensive. Yeah. You go to Derby, it's expensive, I believe. It's not cheap in places. So Manchester does have some of the cheapest fares. I mean, we, we've said it before, if you've, what is a day rider these days, 5.30 for the day? But you uh, I think, Yeah, I think it's 5.30 for the day for a system on it's £6 or 6.50. Yeah, but you can go anywhere. So, surely if you're making a few journeys, that's more cost-effective. Even if your maximum fare is where you're going, say you go from Hattersley to Manchester, it's 350 360 whatever for a single. You're going to get the day saved because it's cheaper to come back. And to be fair, to get from Hattersley to Manchester, which is, what, 15 mile? Yeah, about 10 mile. Yeah? Well, by the time you've gone around the bus route, it's yeah. about 15 Yeah, about 15 mile. That's not bad, that, really, because you're doing 30 miles for £5.30. You yeah. try doing that in your car with current fuel prices and your back to the car and park, you ain't doing that. Yep. So it's not that expensive yet. It takes a bit longer on the bus and you have to deal with some of the idiots that are on there. But that's it's, it's just madness. Um, I know I was. I used to watch. He's, he's currently gone down a bit at the moment. Is uh, that Thomas Sparky? Um, I can't think of his name now on YouTube. And he had an electric van, and he said it was great for doing the short runs into London itself. But anything other than that, it just didn't didn't get there. Yeah, I've um, the people that used to provide uh, flowers and decorations for my work. Uh, they had, they've got a fleet of diesel uh, Mercedes vans. Do you know the high top ones? Oh yes, yes. Um, and they recently got a electric one, uh, the trial thing from Mercedes. Heating because it's an electric heater is very poor and very rubbish, and eats the batteries. Yeah, that's got to drive from Macclesfield into Manchester every day and then back. Oh, I think I know which company you mean. I yeah. can't the name of it, but I think I know which one you mean. Begins with an S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Black yeah, and yeah. silver vans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know which uh, one. Yeah, yeah. So they've got an electric van. I spoke to the person that does it. When it's fully charged, let's say you do 70 miles. Yeah. Just getting out of their yard, it'll use 10 of those miles because it's up a hill. Yeah. And then they've got to drive into Manchester fully loaded with plants... Soil, trolleys, um, you know, helium tanks. Yeah. So that's, you know, a van that you would, if it was fueled, you'd get, what, 200 miles out of it? Yeah. You know, you probably get more than that. You probably get about three, 400, but let's say 200 miles out of it. Straight away, yeah. just by going to electric, you've halved that. Yeah. So is it really worth it? And then you've got the cost of the batteries and replacing them because obviously, Charging them every day is going to run them down. You're going to get damaged cells. You're yep. going to get leaky batteries. You're going to get corrosion on the battery terminals. You know, what, what is the cost between maintaining an engine, which with a diesel engine, glow plugs, injectors, air filter, fuel filter, oil, compared to an electric one where you've got carbon brushes, Problems with your batteries, problems with your wiring, relays and fuses. Yeah. Uh, the whole motors. 
You've then got you've got all of that. So is it really cost effective for us to move to electricity? And then you've got people like Elon Musk, who's the leader in electric vehicles, and he banged on several years ago about the electric truck that he was making, and yet we yet to see that. But is an electric truck really going to work when it's trying to pull 44 tonnes of quarry stone out of Buxton? See, one thing I will say about Elon Musk is he had a concept, he built it. Yeah. With the Tesla, like your Model S and whatever else. Very nice cars, but I believe they're a pain in the bottom to own. They are because you can't do your own maintenance. You've got to go to Tesla. Yeah. They do not provide serviceable parts for none of it. But with them, he built it and got it out there, which is what should have been done because he's done a rolling road test. He's rolled it out to people and it's test been tested in the real world like it should be. Rather do, you, do you reckon his car went a little too far when they tried making the autom- automation of it? I mean, I get driver assist in that, but the fully automation of it, I think, is a bit too far. Oh, it's always too far. It's like they did it with that bus in uh, Shafton. Yeah. You know, it's always too far, but it's a, I think it's more so seeing what you can do with technology. Yeah, I mean, having an automated train like the Docklands Light Railway is one thing. It can't really hit anything. But out on the road, I, I personally, I believe there's too much unknown going on all the time to be able to have something automated. And people could, can't drive normal cars these days without crashing because they're on the phone. The, the, the there is automated aspects to cars at the moment. Stuff like your adaptive, adaptive cruise control. Or your yeah, assist. Yeah, I've used that. That's very good. Uh, you know, it's beautiful. Stuff like that's okay because it, it's helping the driver. The driver still still has to stay, still has to be awake. Yep. Uh, and everything. But then uh, when they when they do come into like Musk at the moment is creating his underground. Oh, don't even get me started on that. That's a joke. And that. I've, I follow Thunderfoot on that one, and that, that I agree with Thunderfoot. That is just a total joke and a total waste of time and energy and messing about, quite frankly. It is, but he's got a concept and he's trying to fulfil it. Yeah, by making cars go 200 mile an hour underground, which actually only do 30 mile an hour underground because he can only build under the streets that the, that the local government council, whatever it is over there, own. Um, so some of his corners are quite tight and the current loop that he's got at the moment a lot of it is quicker to walk it than it is to actually get in the car so yep. it's more of a novelty but it is an idea but if you had, let's say you... something like the underground that London have to cities that don't have an underground yeah but the good thing with something like that is is it would be, be a lot of man hours but I've been something like that where you could do two to three hundred miles an hour going from underground the USA to the UK or the USA to Europe. Yeah. Something like that would be beautiful or even um, like the Channel Tunnel. You have it so it goes from the UK to Paris. You know, doing little links like that or from Europe to Africa. Yeah, that, 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 that makes sense with his plan. 
Um, but I think it's the way he puts his plan out that doesn't really work, quite frank, uh, with it. But he, he, as you say, he does have a vision and he's trying to fulfil the vision. But he has got a lot of hurdles in his way. And I know that he's had quite a few problems with his tunnels recently. Um, which is a shame, but it's one of them things. But as I say, have we really explored the natural gas buses or natural gas vehicles? You well, know? Yeah, you've, got, you've got your hydrogen vehicles. Yeah, and not many people seem to buy them, but why, why don't people buy them when they're just as environmentally friendly? Um. As always, I know it's like carrying an explosive bomb on the roof of a bus because hydrogen is highly combustible. But at the same point, is carrying a lithium battery underneath your car. It's the same sort of thing. Something goes wrong, both are going to go up in a fireball. Oh yeah, very quickly. Yep. Um, at the with diesel, at least diesel, it's one of them oils that. Doesn't really burn until it gets to a stupid temperature. Even that, or in a very fine mist. Yeah, petrol's another thing. Petrol burns as soon as it gets hot. Yeah, well, it doesn't even be hot. But that's a lot of things that people don't realise. Diesel is probably one of the safer fuels out there because it does take quite a bit to actually burn it. If your car starts burning, you've got a diesel. You're quite safe for a while. Your tyres might explode, the whole of the car might be gone, but I bet you still got your full tank of diesel you've had. <laughs> well, you say that, but with them bringing out plastic tanks at the moment. Well, yeah, the plastic tank melts and you have a trail of diesel down the road, which then does actually more damage than what a metal, metal tank would have done. Yep. So, it's, yeah, it's just... I, I don't know about that, because I know certain metal tanks that leave um, trails of diesel down the road. I know them tanks too. Yeah. Um, but another uh, operator is getting electric buses as well here. The uh, Tower Transit, which is another London operator, uh, they've uh, switched mobility again as a supply a fleet of 12 Metro City electric buses, which look like an Octair Versa, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, It'll be the first customer for the updated 9.4 Metro City delivery vehicles to expand in 2023. Um, it says the contract will further reinforce its position in the global technology leader, which is interesting in a way because Manchester use ADL, well, BYD, yep. and these are using Switch, um, which is just... It's a different company and a different take. It's we, we, We've had the bus war of diesel buses. Now we seem to be having this war of electric buses and who can provide the best electric bus. Yeah, but that's competition. That's like anything. It is. And it's not a bad thing. But, yeah. But, yeah, they look like um, Octair Versus. Lovely. If anything... It's probably a rip-off of an Octair Versa. It's, pr- it's probably Octair Versa chassis. It looks like an Octair Versa chassis. But a bit more nosed in at the front. 
um, judging by the picture that Bus and Coach Weekly have on it. Um, but I do do like the uh, paper blind it's got in. It do, does look very smart, quite frankly. Um, but yeah, Switch is proud to supply the most efficient electric buses in the UK and we're delighted to be working with Tower Transit to electrify Route 339. Our Metro City product is perfectly suited for the requirements of London's roads and passengers on the route, which will soon be able to be able to travel, knowing their journey will be carbon neutral, supporting the greener planet. Which is great. See, uh, I've, sorry, I've just seen that picture of that uh, switch electric bus. Oh, yes. And this is getting into the whole thing of um, your Northern Counties body stuff and whatever else. You know, you've got your switch body, you've got your ADL body and stuff now, and that, that's what it's going to get to, isn't it? Yeah. And it's going back how it was 20 years ago. It It's getting that way. Um, the other thing that I'd bring up with that picture, to be fair, is the fact that London still use dual-door buses. Um, now working where I work, dual-door is... It's a nightmare when you don't have a dual-door, quite frankly. Especially on some of the services we do. You see the single-door pull up and you're like, oh, no... Um, I mean, we've got one that's a triple door, and I, I don't understand the triple door, quite frankly, because the back doors are next to each other. That's a bit counterproductive, if you ask me. It's just more things to go wrong. The, the uh, good thing for you is because it's a free bus service, you can have sort of as many doors as you want. Yeah, you just open it up. I mean, yeah. I remember, if, well, you, you should remember when Manchester had their dual doors for a while, they tried. Yeah on the one one for one and that was great that you could just pull up at the stop open the door and everyone just got on and off it's it's so much quicker a lot of the time spent for buses especially idling is loading and unloading yeah i mean yeah you're going to get a few more fare dodges but you london tackle the fare dodges by more inspections and they don't do what up here we have ticket inspectors where they get on in their big high-vis jackets and you can see them about a mile away. They get on in plain clothes, so you don't know they've got on the bus until they're on the bus. Yeah. At which point you're paying the fine, um, which is a much better system, if you ask me, of doing it. Uh, with that, those inspectors are provided by the council, sort of TFL. Yeah. The ones up here are private company inspectors. Yeah. Which also, with them being private company inspectors, they have no authority, which is why they go around with police. Yeah, they can, a, a private inspector will be able to issue a £50 standard fare charge. Which is only an invoice. Yeah. Um, but the, police, the police can obtain the details. Yeah. I know they prefer doing it with the police because normally someone who doesn't pay a fare has a lot more to hide than just not paying a fare. So yeah. a lot of the time they'll get drug dealers and all sorts of people that they wouldn't have normally got that avoiding the system, um, which is good. But again, the police don't have the numbers to be able to do it in this day and age because that's been cut, cut, cut and cut. And everything seems to run on a skeleton at the moment, which is just 
our culture that we've got at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, you have that, but then have you got the aspect of uh, sort of not being trained properly with what happened yesterday in Manchester with that police car and a bus? Oh, yeah, I, I wasn't going to bring that one up, but yes, that was... Oh, no, interesting I'm... images, they're interesting images, let's put it that way. Yeah. That car is a write-off no matter what. <laughs> it is. Which is another taxpayer's money going to have to buy. I think it's a BMW on it. No, it was a Peugeot that. Oh, was it just a Peugeot? It was, it was a standard issue, Peugeot 208. Well, it was. It's now a very short version of a Peugeot 208. Yeah. Uh, but with that, the bus, it'll probably have a bit of floor damage, which will be repaired, and it'll be back on the road in six weeks, if they can get the parts. Yeah. Where the car will cost, what, another 10 grand for another one? From um, the t- no, well, the car, let's call it, 18 grand for the car because that's roughly going right. Yeah. Then you've got to kid out the lights and everything. Yeah. So 25 grand. Yeah. But, but have you. But then with that, you've got the officer, which is going to be suspended while it's under investigation. So you're yeah. then paying his or her wages as well. Yeah. Um, but it's just endless costs that shouldn't need to be there but what doesn't help with the endless costs and te- that takes I, I've noticed this now a lot looking on like TikTok Facebook and all that a lot of police officers are so busy with these people that call themselves auditors they're so busy dealing with them they can't deal with normal crime because they're too busy dealing with some idiot with a camera yeah. that's trying to get a reaction out of them and that's all it is at the moment with those with the cameras is they're just trying to get a reaction and Piss people off, in essence. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some of them, and they're, they're very good audit- auditors, to be fair. They're not like the, some of them that are aggressive or whatever. You know, the police come over to them or the security, they answer the questions, and happy days. Yeah, well, speaking got... of that, there was one that I saw this morning, and there was a facility that had high-value items in, and one of the managing directors come over and asked, could... They take his drone down from the sky. Yeah. And the guy turned around and went, unfortunately, I'm just recording a video. Um, you don't control the airspace. And the guy turned around and went, well, I'm going to ring the police. And he turned went, you ring the police then, but do tell them that I'm not being aggressive. I'm recording a video. I think I know which one you're on about. Um, and it, 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 he is right. Yeah. The guy can't do anything. He's got yeah. a high, he's got high security around his perimeter of his business. He whether it's suspicion of breaking in or whatnot, he if he wants the airspace restricted and stop people from flying over, then he needs to get in contact with the CAA. Yeah. Uh, the, guy, the guy's done everything legally that way. He's with he knows the CAA rules, he knows CAA airspace, his air, his aircraft, the drone was you know, it had the call sign and everything. And it conforms with the code of flying in there. I yep. think if it's the same one, it's he's got one of the sub two hundred gram drones. We can dry it, fly it anywhere he wants. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no, I think I do know which one you're on about, and I do prefer watching him because he's always dead polite. Is but it's like them people they're just wasting police time at that point because there's nothing the police can do. They'll just turn up and go. 
okay, and bugger off. Yeah. Um, but if businesses are that concerned with high-value stuff, what about all the satellites that take pictures? Yeah. You know? You only yeah, have to go on Google I, I, Maps. and probably go on Google Earth now and look and see exactly what's in his yard. It might be last year, but you've got an idea what's in his yard anyway. I mean, look at when we stored the B10 down at Storage World. It took a year, but then you could clearly see that there was a bus parked in there. Yeah. And no doubt at the bus, the, the dart will appear on there soon when next gets updated again. You can see exactly what's in yards. It's how, we, it's how we've gone and found space for our bus because we just looked on Google Maps and going, well, that caravan park doesn't have much room. That doesn't. Oh, they, they have room. And that's how it's been done. But it's like when you're trying to find somewhere with, let's say, scrap buses, for instance. Google Map, it's your friend straight away. Just go and look on there and see what's there. Yeah. It might be a bit out of date, but they don't scrap the buses that quickly. Especially when they get towards like the back of them. And bus geeks and what can work out just from the roof of buses what buses are and what's in their yards. Yep. Well, I did this yesterday. My dad was curious about uh, Ripley's. So I pulled up Ripley's and straight away from roof, I could go Arriva, Stagecoach, Stagecoach, Arriva, First. Yeah. It's pulled straight off. It's just like I've just gone on Google Maps now over the Hyde Road bus depot. I can see that there's a hybrid park. It's up a training bus. Yeah. Um. A viral 400, several of them. And if that's not good enough, you can get on the train and see it as you pass. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just a waste of police time. And some of the things that people call the police for are just wasting their time. Is, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, where I am now, the police are that busy moving cars on and trying to police the roads because people just won't pay. Yep, and... which I've had. <laughs> I was actually I was chatting to someone that um, was going for an interview at the airport, and there's someone I work with. That gives it away. Uh, <laughs> Never mind, go on. It gives what away? Yeah, the airport, go on. Right, yeah, well, either way, I was up at the airport and police there. Uh, we just pulled up somewhere and we were having a chat. So I was, you know, for my job, doing chauffeuring, dropping someone off, and, you know, we stopped and had a chat. And two minutes later, a police come round and shifts us and about seven other cars on that were pulled up there. Yeah. You know, we were just having a chat. People were there actually waiting. I mean, at, at the moment, it's that roundabout above the motorway. Um, That's always been bad. And the police have to sit there. I mean, recently, they've, they've managed to get a Womble to sit there instead. But that's their their space for an hour taken up because people deem, deem it acceptable to stop on a roundabout. Yeah. And especially when it gets busy, they're stopping both sides of the roundabout, blocking the junctions on and off the roundabout. And somehow people find this acceptable. And it's just not, unfortunately. Well, this sounds really stupid, but if you get it right... It, well, that road isn't private land, but the rest of the airport is. But I'm sure they'd be able to speak to the council because they've got a good relationship with the council and get red lines painted on that roundabout. The, well, the council own the airport. Well, that's just what I mean. 
But not all the land is private. I was having this conversation with the driver the other day. Only some of the roads are private, which is why they can't red line it. They only can yellow line it. Yeah. Um, unlike Birmingham Airport and I think Leeds, they're red lined because they own 100% of the land. Um, but we're saying, I mean, you've got the free drop off, so you can drop off for free. And the bus is always there. And if there's not one, there'll be one in a minute because the, the radio and we can come get you. Um, but then, OK, picking up, it's a fiver. But yeah, you can wait in the um, estate, wait for the person to ring you, and then you're guaranteed to only have to pay a fiver. Yeah. Um, I mean, the busiest is T1, obviously. But then if that's the busiest, you just go, oh, will you walk round to T3, which is empty half the time. But then that fiver, it's you know, it's the inconvenience of paying for fiver. They'd rather sit there five minutes and waste a pound of fuel, and then pick or get a fine from the police for stopping in a place they're not supposed to stop. Well, well, it's these ones that stop on the uh, slip road that I don't agree with. Oh yeah, and the motorway, yeah. Yep. And most of them seem to be taxes a lot of the time, which begs the question: a professional driver should or not should know better. Well, they would do if they weren't on. Uh... What's it called? Uh, Rosendale plates or Wolverhampton plates? Yeah. Defton plates. But that's not really an excuse. They're still a professional driver. Yes. It's like in the free drop-off last night, a taxi was being having have a gold at by a marshal because he has a card that allows him to go into the private hire waiting place. And I believe the facilities there for the drivers so they can go spend a penny or whatever. And he has a card, but he decided to wait with everyone else. And he wasn't waiting to drop off. He's allowed there to wait to pick up, but he has to then go to the terminal. So it's, so he doesn't have to wait in the terminals. Yeah. But he was waiting for someone to come round, and that's not allowed. And they were trying to tell him that if he keeps it, all they can see on CCTV is this taxi parked where it's not supposed to be parked. Yeah. And they know he's coming with a card. So they'll take the card off him. And he was arguing, blue in the face with this traffic marshal about it. And the traffic marshal ended up driving off from him because it's like, he sort of got to the picture that he wasn't going to win with this guy and the taxi drove off. But the facilities are there. Yeah, they're not, they're not always going to be the best. But, you know, if people didn't park like idiots, it would all flow a bit better. So endlessly being blocked up with cars parking on them. But with this, it's not just the airport, you know, changing subjects totally. Is it's not just the airport where you get people that park stupidly. Oh no, it's everywhere. Oxford Road Arches, regular problem, and the council won't do anything about it. They get traffic wardens out and then people still park there because they don't care. Yeah, and the system's so slow that the traffic wardens might get one fine out of it and everyone else buggers off in the time they've got one fine out, which is where I they were sending three or four of them down, but that's more because they were being threatened, threatened and attacked. But even still, with that, you know, I get on quite well with traffic wardens with my job. Traffic wardens, for them to issue, they can't just issue a ticket straight away. They have to wait, and the vehicle has to be sat there for three minutes. Yeah. Uh, if it's a vehicle that's loading and unloading, they get 20. Mm. But... Well, it's like well, the traffic wardens weren't too bad, really, were they, for the buses? Because when we went for stagecoach, we could park on um, Charlotte Street 
and they just walked past us. Oh yeah, they didn't care it, because they thought he'd be moving on within a couple of minutes. Yeah, they didn't really. It was only if you was blocking the way. They was all like, oh come on, move on a bit, will you? But even but, still, you'd have a laugh and a joke with them, and they'd say, "Come on, move on," and you'd bugger off, drive around the block, and pull back up there. Yeah. Um, but just people's respect for the road and where they stop is unbelievable, and it's only getting worse. Which is, it, I mean, there's a there was a picture. I think it no, it wasn't. It was one of them videos of someone not stopping at a zebra crossing. They couldn't see the zebra crossing because there was a bloody car parked on the zigzags. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. Would you do it on your test? No, so don't do it once you've passed your test. Well, that's the attitude that people have got. Well, I'm not on my test, so I can do what I want. Yeah. Sort of thing. Anyway, moving on because we spent like 20 minutes on that. Uh, it's good, isn't it? A DWS offer for stagecoach becomes unconditional. Um, this was. 24th the 5th, this was reported uh, on the evening on Friday the 20th, PF double three, whatever, big company indirect panel infrastructures, fund management advised DBF to announce the offer become unconditional. Um, this occurs once the bidder has received sufficient acceptance from the shareholders of the target company um, to sell. So basically, they've managed to purchase. Or uh, the level of acceptance received was two hundred and seventy million two hundred twenty-two three thousand three hundred twenty-five of Stagecoach's shares, which is approximately forty-nine percent of the capital uh, that Stagecoach have. In respect to the fifty-seven million and a bit shares, of which is 10.46%, which is subject to irrevocable, um, so it becomes unconditional. So it looks like Stagecoach has been sold, and it wasn't to uh, National Express after all. Yeah. But that's just a change of management. But what does that then mean for everything else? Um, I mean, I know Megabus has been up in the air for a while. Um, I'm just trying to read it quickly. Yeah, because Go Ahead tried buying. Uh, Comfort D. Delgro, Go Ahead. It would become the United Kingdom's second largest intercity coach operator as part of the two agreements. Will require stage coaches remaining thirty-five stake in the Scottish CityLink coaches, turning the whole wholly owned subsidy of Scottish Link, which becomes sixty-five percent owned by Comfort Dig Grow in two thousand five. Um, but Megabus these days it's not even operated by Stagecoach anymore, is it? It's operated by um, M Travel, which I know has shares and dealings with Stagecoach, but they don't really. I think Megabus has seen maybe seen the end of the road. I don't know what your views because they had a big operation before COVID, and when when they cut down, they just never established it. Yeah, COVID's done a lot of things for companies like that. The only one that seems to have kept its head up is National Express, but then you've got the coming of Flixbus now. Flixbus, yeah. I saw one or two buses before. Yes, COVID. Whereas Quite now I'm seeing Flixbus everywhere. Yeah. So I think they've um, 
possibly bought routes off Stagecoach if that's the same as the way that it works within cities and whatever. I'm not too sure how it works for coaching. Yeah, um, and apply for the route. Uh, it'll be Flixton, uh, Flixbus that are doing the routes that stay that um, Stagecoach binned off with Megabus. Yeah, I mean National Express were always going to do well during the pandemic, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but because of the way National Express runs. All it required was the coach companies that run National Express didn't go under. Yeah. Um, but all with National Express had to do was go, oh, sorry, we, rather than us renting, because that's all they do, renting 100 buses off, you know, 20 different companies, they would have just gone, no, we only need to rent 20 buses and do that off three different companies. Well, I know when I worked at Selwyn's, I believe National Express bought the buses for them which was then to their spec. They, Selwyn's got to choose. They, they was given a choice and they got to choose which ones we got bought for them. And then they went in National Express's livery with everything that National Express require, like the iCams, the drive cam, um, this entertainment system on board, everything like that. And then they'll run for so long and at the end of that time, they'll come up for sale. So then it's, whether the coach operator wants to buy the coaches that have been on National Express or they get sold off. Right. National Express get new coaches in and that's I believe that's how they work it. Um so it, it it's it's an interesting uh, model in a way because from what I believe National Express own the coaches and the routes but they just sub uh subcontract it out to be ran by all the other coach companies. Um, I know they run some of their own, but a lot of it's run by subcontractors. Yeah. Um, but it, it's still a very clever business deal in a way because they don't have to have a operator's license for all these coaches because the operator's license falls under whichever coach company is operating it. So it's up to them to maintain it, not National Express. Um, but that does not stop National Express sending out inspectors. Uh, several times when I was on it and we got to Birmingham, you'd be greeted with an inspector there who would go around and inspect the coach in Birmingham. And that's to make sure, A, the driver's done the checks correctly, and B, the companies are maintaining them to the correct standard and everything was working. You'd check what temperature your aircon was set at, you'd te- check that your entertainment system worked, you'd check all your wheels were attached to the bus, you know, and oil leaks, everything like that, you'd check there while you're on the stand. And if anything was amiss, that was it. You'd be taken out of service there and then. And the company that was operating it would be fined by National Express, which is how they get the money back. Because um, National Express will pay, say, Selwyn's to run the service and then endlessly fine them to get the money back. Yeah. But, again, it's a good money spinner if you're doing everything correctly. Well, yeah, it's like anything. Um. You know, ironically, Flexi Bus is the one that I've also got, which has joined forces with Heron's Coaches. Heron's Coaches. Heron's Coaches, same difference. Um, From the 12th of May, they'll start running services between London, Leicester and Bradford. The new routes will serve Victoria Coach Station uh, and Finchley Road in the capital, as well as Leicester. Pushy Shopping Park, Bradford Inn for Change, Sheffield Meadow Hall. They will operate 
initially on a daily basis with the option to add additional coaches added as the demand increases for the high season. Um, so, yeah, it does seem to be taking off there because Flexi, Flexibus was, well, Flea, Felix Bus, isn't it, in America? It's an American thing. Or is it EU? I think it's EU, isn't it? Uh, Flexibus is EU. Yeah, I'm just reading it now. Um, and they had 500 coach companies all over Europe and they have a clear strategy to expand into Britain uh, and offer operations of a competitive uh, compensation package which incentivizes a good performance and high standards which takes on the lion's share risk um, it says um because we don't pay for this, we've got some information. Um, but are they then now becoming a key competitor to um, National Express, essentially? Because National Express don't do anything over into Europe. And are these, well, these will, are these going to start running coaches in, in and out of Europe? Well. Which then puts a very big competition in for National Express, essentially, doesn't it? Because Megabus, really, they're not a competition of National Express anymore because they only do a few routes and they got hit with that scandal for the £1 ticket. But I know when I was on it, tickets weren't that expensive for National Express. I've not looked at um, Felix Bus and... But is it going to be a big competition for him? This is the question. Hmm. Um, I've never been to Victoria Coach Station, but I believe it's very tight in there, getting in and out. I've seen many pictures of uh, buses uh, taking out railings and what have you. Yeah, but you've also seen that of Manchester, Charlton Street. Yeah. I've also seen a crane take one off. Um, so, yeah. But that, that's another thing. A lot of these cities, are they actually made to take these tracks, coaches? And yeah, great. The turning circles are very tight. But again, going back to the standards of driving of everyone, car drivers don't expect the rear end to swing out as much as they do. And they'll try and creep down every little gap possible, even if the driver of a coach or wagon is trying to take up all the room. They, they must take up that little bit of space and next minute they get wiped out. Yeah, because car drivers don't care about other drivers. No. Um, but I think that's going to wrap it up, really, because we've, we've sort of used up all the time and I've got to get to the pass office at some point. Um, so... Yeah, it's been an interesting month, really, hasn't it? Yeah. I don't know if you want to quickly talk about our own vehicle for those that have stuck around for the 50, 50-odd minutes that we've yeah, got. Yeah, we can do for the next couple of minutes. Um, yeah, so our vehicle at the moment, well, you know, I'm sure you've all seen the videos of it with its uh, fueling problems, changing the injectors, as changing the fuel line, as rebuilding it, whatever else, trying to get it to turn over. Uh, and the starter has decided it's going to 
no longer want to work. Well, that's a, possibly an understatement. Well, well, no. We found out that it no longer wants to work. Upon further inspection of opening it up, it has decided that it was going to spit out... Well, it's been going for a long while because one of the bearings is missing a grease cover um, and half of its bearings. So where it's meant to have 16 bearings in it, it's only got eight. Uh, it doesn't spin very well and that grease cover that was meant to be on it to hold bearings in has decided that it's going to go into the... Oh, I can't think of what it's called. Uh, gone into the insides of the starter motor where the actual motor part is and short out one of the... Um, Coils. Lines on the... Um, it begins with an A. It's like, I, 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 I can't think of what it is. But anyway, it shorted it out and... Yeah, full... shorted it out and now it no longer runs. It's put the full amperage of the batteries all over it, which is... I don't think... I know a starter is a heavy bit of kit, but I don't think it's meant to take 2,000 cold crank amps over, over it in one go. It's It's a bit excessive. Yeah, well, with that, because it's shorted it out, obviously these um, splines on the um, insides of the starter motor have shorted out. It now no longer wants to run. Um, the armature, that's what it's called. Yeah. Yeah, so the armature is I've got two damaged splines on it, which, if it could be repaired easily, it could be repla- repaired, um, and then it should, theoretically speaking, work. But the way it's going, I think it's going to be a new start motor and give us a li- little bit more long- longevity with the engine. We'll get higher rampage ones so it cranks it over a little bit nicer as well. So we're aiming to do that and we are aiming, for those that have stuck around, to get to a show at the beginning of August. I think we'll be the only bus there. Um, it's Those that will remember, it's the Newton, I think it was Newton Le Willows Town Show. Uh, where last, not last year, before COVID, we operated in 317, we operated the free service forum. Oh, Scott and Toby operated it. Um, they dressed up, polished up well, uh, and they were very pleased with the service, and they contacted us again to do it. And we accepted, and then as soon as we accepted, the starting all went. <laughs> Which is always the way. There's always an inconvenience somewhere. It is. Um, but we've got that, and hopefully then, following that, we can get to the shows that we planned on going to, like the Pete Dale one uh, and what have you. Um, hopefully. In theory. Yeah. Um, obviously, follow us on all the socials. Instagram, follow our website, YouTube. Uh, find the rest of these uh, podcasts on Spotify. Um Go on, where else can we find them? Apple, Google. So it's on all the main main uh, podcast providers. Um, it is also on YouTube if you want to listen on YouTube as well. But if you want to listen when you're out and about, it is, as you say, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, I am working to try and get it on other ones, but it's a bit more difficult than it is. We need a bit more viewership. Um as always, if you do enjoy our content, you do have the ability to support us. You can find that 
uh, way of supporting us on the website. Uh, you can find it on there, or you can just go straight to Patreon or support us through YouTube, whichever way. Uh, there's plenty of ways. If you want to support us, but we don't offer a service that you think that we should, then do get in contact with us. I will be adding a contact page shortly to the website, so you'll be able to actually email us properly and easily. Um, but all the details for contacting us are under every single video anyway. Um, but we are looking at trying to expand the services that we provide, and within reason, we can provide quite a bit. Um, it's just providing them essentially um, so yeah uh, and as always if you're not already subscribed to us on YouTube but you do watch us on YouTube then please do subscribe because the current figures if it will come up is that over 66% of you that watch us aren't subscribed um, which is a lot and we're, we're this year we're on the road for 8k 8,000 subscribers and we'd like to get there. And I, I believe with 66% of people that don't subscribe, the subscriber won't be far off 8,000 um, views. And again, if you've got an idea for a video that you'd like us to do, whether it's to help you pass your PSV test or whatever, then do get in touch and we can, we can see what we can do about it. Uh, that's the whole aim for our channel is to help drivers and help new drivers and show the preservation scene at the same time. I don't think there's much more to add to that one. No, neither. Um, I think on that note, we'll uh, wrap up and, um, yeah. yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for taking your time to listen and we shall see you next month on the 1st once again. Yeah. Exciting podcast and hopefully this time I'm going to aim for at least about four or five of us, hopefully. And we can try and try and have some decent conversations. So yep, thank indeed. you so much no for problem. listening, and we'll see you later. Bye bye.